Welcome to Er Garcia, a podcast of work, faith, theology, and economics, arranged and presented by Brendan Byrne. My name is Brendan Byrne, and I have the pleasure of being your host. In this episode, we conclude our exploration of the book The Dream Betrayed, Religious Challenge of the Working Class by the American Lutheran scholar Karen L. Bloomquist, published by Fortress Press in 1990. Bloomquist has taken us on a long journey through which we have seen how the working class yearning for release from oppression and for the fulfilment of the dream of a better future has been betrayed by the very system which made that promise, and how this betrayal has been exacerbated by the Church's own practices and theological approaches. Prophetically, Bloomquist has also named the sin that lies at the heart of that reality, and in doing so has called the Church's attention to the need to communicate the gospel to the working class in a manner that is liberating rather than ideologically enslaving. In today's episode, Bloomquist concludes her exploration of the dilemma of the working class by outlining how the church itself can become a community of justice, one that stands in solidarity with working class suffering and which enables the working class in its turn to stand in solidarity with the suffering of others. In doing so, the Church can become a community of resistance to the dehumanizing and oppressive realities of modern economics, a resistance which not merely opposes, but which recaptures the true theological meaning of economy, a meaning based in our calling to a shared life together. And so, without any further ado, This is episode 18, The Dream Betrayed, part 6, The Church as Community of Justice. entire exploration of the dilemma of the working class has been founded on a single question. If classism opposes God's gracious activity, how can the church more faithfully witness to the gospel in a way that declares the good news of Christ for all people, especially the working class in its suffering and oppression? How can the transformation of working class reality be proclaimed in a way that is made real in history, a way that is embodied in the here and now, and not merely deferred to some indefinite point in the future. Bloomquist argues that the Church must start by itself being more intentional in how it counters classism in its own internal life. The traces of classism are to be located in the manner in which the values and priorities of the middle and upper classes 
are imposed upon working-class adherents to the Christian faith. The structures of the Church's polity, the processes through which it makes decisions, the emphasis on success as defined by attendance numbers and property and finances, all these reflect upwardly mobile aspirations that are themselves emblematic of the extent to which the Church has been appropriated by the values and standards of free market capitalism. In becoming so appropriated, the Church itself has become captive to classes' attitudes and assumptions, in which the Church's mission is linked to its measurable success and standing in society, and with that standing all the concomitant trappings of power, influence and respectability. Challenging these assumptions is very difficult, not merely because they are so deeply and insidiously embedded in the Church's life, but because it involves risk, the risk of losing all the privileges and comforts which the Church, as a class-based institution, favours and prefers. But Bloomquist argues that it is at the very moment when people most egregiously experience the betrayal of the dream contained in the assumptions and promises of classism that they are most open to accepting the challenge of setting aside classist attitudes and identities. The task for the Church, both in terms of its understanding of its internal life and of its mission to the world, is to engage in the kind of theological critique that opens the reality of betrayal to a series of critical questions. For Bloomquist, the pastoral and the prophetic are simultaneous. Theological reflection evokes a critical social consciousness so that evangelism occurs in an historically located social context. Crucial to this task is the realisation that we do not stand alone, but are each members of a community of faith in which we experience solidarity and the mutuality of shared existence. It is through this mutuality and solidarity, itself the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that we are able to resist the idolatrous hold of society's assumptions. We are called to be faithful to God's invitation to a covenant life together, not to the demands and promises of free market capitalism. The community of faith is called to be a community of resistance to the demonic powers that control and oppress human life. It is called to resist death and witness to life. But Bloomquist argues that in order to do this, the Church itself needs to undertake three essential tasks. Firstly, the Church must become a place where communal memory and activity come alive. The liturgical life of the Church is, after all, a process of remembering, of putting us back together in relation to God and to one another. Church is space and time in which we are immersed in the painful as well as the celebratory moments of life, and at its best it is in the liturgical life of the Church that we discover what it means to be people rather than isolated individuals. Ideally, therefore, the Church should be a space in which people can rework and reappropriate biblical themes in ways that bring forth hidden, potentially rich themes of subversive meaning. This potential is activated by the reality 
that shared life as a community of faith cuts across class boundaries and distinctions. The task of the church then becomes nurturing this potential in ways that make a difference in the real world. Doing so serves not merely to create a humanizing buffer between the individual and the world, but actually enables collective action in pursuit of common good. Tradition, reworked and realized anew, becomes a resource for participating in liberating activity, the ground for solidarity between people of differing races, ethnicities, genders and classes. Secondly, the church must become an effective counter to the experience of victimization in society. God does not view human life as the passive recipient of historical circumstances. Rather, we are active subjects in the history of the world. As such, we are called upon and are empowered to organize communally and collectively so that people together can change their situations and in doing so be changed by the experience of solidarity with the suffering of others. The basic principle is that instead of individuals or groups suffering and attempting to resist the source of their suffering in isolation, their own suffering becomes linked to the suffering of others. Disparate individuals and groups are organised around issues of common interest and concern, building links that overcome social, economic and cultural divisions. This building up of relationships within the community in turn overcomes the barriers of established politics and class allegiance. Government and business can be held accountable to the common good. The emphasis of activity can then shift to systemic change as distinct from solving the problems caused by unaccountable activity. The point for Bloomquist is that engaging in this kind of communal organising represents a substantial shift both in practice and mindset for the church, which has up until now focused on locating and helping the victims of injustice. Social ministry that offers services to the needy tends to perpetuate patterns of paternalism and dependence. More to the point, such activity is often about making those who engage in it feel good about themselves, the pious attestation of the goodness of the fortunate over the unfortunate. However well-intentioned such efforts may be, they tend to entrench class relationships. Community organising, by contrast, tends to impact on the whole congregation, placing social ministry in the handful community of faith rather than making it the domain of a special committee. Thirdly, the Church, through enactment of the previous two tasks, must ultimately become an effective counter to the privatisation of power and decision-making, turning what were the private plans of special interests into the public concerns of the whole community. For the working class, this means putting an end to the necessity for individuals to bear and take home with them the pain of their domination and betrayal. Rather, the church, through community activity, must expose the systemic factors generating this pain. In doing so, the links between family, work and community become clear, and the church becomes a more effective social actor, 
not through its official statements and proclamations, but by being of the people in a pastoral and prophetically critical manner that does not succumb to populism in its blandest forms, but which critiques the structures and priorities that generate suffering and injustice. The point for Bloomquist is that by becoming an effective centre of opposition to privatisation, the Church enacts that part of its own stewardship which is concerned with ensuring structures and institutions more fully reflect God's will for human life in community. As a community of resistance, the Church must boldly disrupt the powers of domination and actively challenge the practices and priorities that destroy individuals and communities. The Church does not need to have ready-made solutions for every issue, but by working collaboratively with the community, by drawing people together in solidarity with one another, it can provide the space, time and resources that enable critical questions to be asked and which enable those with the relevant skills and expertise to identify options for more just structures and policies. But for that to happen, Bloomquist argues that the church community itself must be open to the work of the Holy Spirit, the mysterious third person of the Trinity who makes relationships between individuals and communities possible. Openness to the operation of the Holy Spirit and the possibilities for being more fully human, which it enables us to glimpse in our life together, will foster resistance to the mythology of the autonomous individual which corporatized capitalism promotes, the mythology of the ubermensch, or superman, who is able to provide all their own answers and bend reality to suit their own purposes and preferences. By living out this openness, we will no longer regard bonding with others or standing in solidarity with them as either weakness or dependence, but the very enactment of our calling as the children of God. Bloomquist concludes that if the Church is to become and be a community of resistance, challenging and transforming the powers of oppression and suffering, Christians must take seriously the power of the Holy Spirit to move people toward a worldview vastly different to the one that dominates and drives a class-based society. Rather than competitive relationships that set us over against one another, the Spirit invites us to be part of a new community in which we become co-subjects with one another, cooperating within and co-creating just relations. The Church is called to work with other communities and to be vigilant in challenging those ways, both within society and within its own internal life, which perpetuate the injustice and suffering of classism. In doing so, it becomes midwife to new communities of resistance and solidarity that are participatory and empowering for all. So we come to the conclusion of another episode of Ergasia.
It had been my intention to round off this episode with a theological reflection on Bloomquist's book and the themes which it explores. But I have decided to do something a little different. In the next episode of Ergasia, I am going to provide what I presently think of as a statement of intent. That is, I'm going to say something about where I think I'm going with my own exploration of the theology of work and the basis upon which I see myself proceeding in future. In doing so, I suspect I will be informed by Bloomquist's own call to the Church to become a community of resistance to the powers that dominate and deform the lives of the working class, and indeed, of the whole of humanity. In the meantime, to leave your thoughts about this podcast or to offer any suggestions or ideas for future subjects, please go to the webpage at www.ergasia.podbean.com That's www.ergasia.podbean.com or go to the podcast pages on Facebook and Twitter. I hope to have the pleasure of your company for the next episode. I am your host, Brendan Byrne. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Ergasia, a podcast of faith, work, theology and economics, arranged and presented by Brendan Byrne. For more information, please go to www.ergasia.podbean.com.